Welcome to the Natural Health Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. So on this episode of the Natural Health Rising Podcast, I have Brandon Gilbert with me. So Brandon is a serial entrepreneur who's launched many companies, one of them being Hyperion Herbs. And since resolving his own health issues with alternative medicine, he's taught many classes and workshops, both online and in person on a wide variety of subjects, ranging from alternative health and healing modalities to herbalism, internal arts, and Eastern philosophy. In addition to running Hyperion Herbs and Hyperion TV on YouTube, he invests many hours per day training internal arts like Qigong, Nagong, Tai Chi, and various sitting practices. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Rachel. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. I always like to start with people's stories. So it sounds like you had some health issues and things going on. So tell us about that. Tell us how you got into health and wellness and just your story behind that. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's a kind of a big question. You think after so many years, I would have it kind of like elevator pitch, but you know, each time I come back to it, it's kind of like I revisit it and look at it again. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I grew up in a really small town in Southern Indiana with probably like less than 30,000 people. Let's just say certain experiences from my childhood sort of predisposed me to be really independent, to feel quite different than the people in my environment and to also just have a certain high level of stress, just kind of like from day one, like as soon as I was born, that was kind of my introduction to the world. So that was kind of like a blueprint, right? And then, you know, just describing that doesn't really sound like the most healthy or optimal blueprint. And then, you know, just having those things in place, living in a very small town, very conservative, very kind of closed minded, very simple minded, in my opinion, you know, obviously there's a lot of great things as well, but I'm kind of focusing on the negatives because we're asking, why did I get into health? And then, you know, I kind of just always had this low grade stress and anxiety, like for as long as I can remember. And then it really started to peak towards the end of high school. And I just really felt completely lost and isolated and didn't really know what I want to do or where I fit in. And then I think because of the stress, it eventually flipped over to anger, which is pretty destructive emotion long-term. Obviously short-term, it can be useful to help break you out of a cycle or, you know, help you set boundaries, of course, but long-term very poisonous as I can personally testify to. So then, you know, on the bright side of it is I, I had the internet from a very young age. So that was kind of my kind of glimmer out to the outside world or my way of seeing that the world was bigger than the world that was around me. So very grateful for that. And just through that lens was able to discover, you know, Chinese philosophy. And as soon as I started discovering even just the most basic trivial concepts. So something's like, this is really connects to me. This actually makes sense. This actually is a light in all the darkness that I'm kind of around, right? So I just kind of followed that through and that led to eventually getting into like yoga and meditation and then eventually herbalism, then eventually Chinese medicine and then other internal arts and kind of just like followed initially, followed my desire to like be out of pain and not feel so terrible and have some kind of clarity and understanding about who I was, why I was here, what I am I doing, 
where am I going? Like these basic existential questions that my environment didn't provide answers for my family, my support system, my education, none of those things really provided answers that I felt were adequate. So I just was able to discover these alternative ideas and then just allow my obsessive like learning nature just to get channeled into those things. Because before it was like channeled into music and video games and like smoking weed and kind of like not that productive of things. So I was just like, well, I have this ability. So let me just try to funnel it to something that's actually going to maybe lead me in a better direction for the long term. So, yeah, I mean, actual physical health problems didn't really start for me until probably my early 20s, because I think it was just the stress and the emotional turmoil just got to such a surplus that was just my body couldn't handle it anymore. And I think I just basically just had a backlog of emotional stuff that I just hadn't had the space to really process or look at. So it just kind of built up. And then, of course, then my digestive system got thrown out of whack. Anxiety got, you know, thrown up even more. But then like at that time, I'm starting to do like raw foodism and being a vegan and doing juicing and fasting, all these other things. So it's like my pre-existing digestive conditions kind of got like intertwined with all these other extreme things that were in some ways useful, but in some ways were actually making me less healthy and putting me like worse off. But I mean, I was like 20. So what the hell did I know? It was like early, early, early 2000s. Like there wasn't the resources and the tools that we have available now. I mean, I remember people thought I was super weird back in those days for like drinking vegetable juice and doing yoga. Whereas now it's like kind of everyone accepts that as just sort of normal. It's, it's kind of normalized at this point. So that's kind of like a little bit of just generally what pushed me to where I am and then kind of what I followed through. I don't know if that's super vague or helpful at all, but just trying to kind of be somewhat brief. No, that's a good, that's a good starting point. I think you did really well. And thanks for sharing all that. Um, sure. I, I like that you talked a lot about the mental, emotional, I guess, kind of like baggage and stress and everything, because it's so common. This stuff goes on for years and years and we, it piles up and piles up and piles up. And then one day it kind of just tips like a rain barrel that fills up all the way. And one day it all kind of overflows. And then we're like, oh man, this digestive issue is a million times worse. My anxiety is heightened all that. And I work with primarily a lot of people who have autoimmune diseases and it's very common for them to have some sort of major stressful event, like a divorce or a crazy move or someone dies where that's, that's like their tipping point. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. Veganism, raw foods and juicing. So I'm assuming you don't do that anymore. No, definitely was that, not. Okay. That was like a three-year phase or something around there. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. When I was, I, I got all my health, very similar, like timeline of our stories. When I was in my early twenties, same thing, my stuff started tipping over and I started trying to do research and I was like, Hmm, maybe I should try this vegan thing. And maybe I should try this. And it made, made me feel like crap, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't stick to it as long as you, I only did it for three or four months. My body knew it was like, Hey, this is not what's working for you. <laughs> Out of all those things you mentioned, you said you started doing yoga, Chinese medicine and herbs. Right. Was there one thing that stood out that was like the most impactful for you? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, at that time there weren't really yoga classes. There weren't studios. There wasn't online stuff really. So I ended up finding a book called, actually, I don't even remember what it's called, but it was by Vishnu Devananda from like the Sivananda yoga system. I really was drawn to that because it seemed more authentic and it seemed like an actual system. 
And just me being like the mindset that I am I was like, okay, it's a system. It's a routine. I can do this. Mm. I could just kind of grab. So I started doing a little bit on my own. And I remember just doing like basic sun salutations because that's what I found in some book at a library. I lost like a ton of weight just doing that. So I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I ended up flying to California, which to me at that time, being so young and having like no money and then saving up like a thousand dollars just was, to me was just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I flew to California and stayed at this yoga ashram for a week or two. I don't remember exactly. It was like 2003 or four that I went there, stayed there for a couple of weeks. That was really quite transformational. Actually, I started having out-of-body experiences on a regular basis, but I'd never heard of them. I didn't know what they were until like a year later when I was like, oh, that's what that was. Like, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. how all these crazy experiences started happening. They're kind of like off the point, but Getting to the answer to your question is out of all of the stuff that we did in terms of breathing, meditation, yoga, whatever, what I realized is that the most important part of the whole session and the whole thing that basically no one focuses on is the corpse pose at the end. Mm. And basically all the breathing, the sitting, the meditation, the postures, it's all to prepare you for that corpse pose at the end which what I liked about that system is they would do it for like 30 minutes, not just like five or 10 breaths at the end of class and get you out, which is what I'm saying. It's all reversed Mm -hmm. because, you know, people have the mindset of like, oh, I need to move a lot because it's like a workout and all these things, which is like, okay, cool. That's not really yoga, really. It's not really kind of what the general idea is if we're talking about actually allowing our nervous system to reset, reprogram, to release things. That's going to come in the inactivity phase where not we're not inactive because that's where it gets a little more nuances. Physically, we're not active, but mentally we're still active. And that's where it becomes tricky is to be able to soak your mind and have your mind interact with your body, but not really interfere with it, but also not daydream and also not fall asleep. So mm-hmm. it's like that is what was the most powerful for me is like all that stuff and then le- and realizing like, oh, this is the most important part. And then really doing that. And that really allowed me to chill out and start to let go of a lot of stuff. And then actually a lot of stuff in my personality started to change around that time as well, because that's also when I started to get into tonic herbs, like reishi and stuff. And then, yeah, huge flips in my personality where previous to that, I'd always been really shy, really withdrawn, didn't really talk that much. I was honestly kind of dumb. I couldn't really remember things. I couldn't really retain information. Yeah, I just think, I just don't think I was necessarily that intelligent or my brain just wasn't functioning very well. And then those things together, I can remember the moment where I realized the flip is I was hanging out with one of my college professors because I like gave some presentation that she was like, what the hell is this? Who are you? Where did you come from? Like, cause it was so just different than my classmates, let's say. So she invited me to her house because she was also like, you know, some Buddhist lineage and had a teacher. And so she was like, we had some commonalities, but I remember she asked me a question about something and I just talked for like 45 minutes straight answering her question, but like coherent and organized and gave her like a full, it was like, I just took a book and just orated it out. And I was like, and she was just sitting there with her jaw, like, what the hell? Like, aside from the presentation, like I'd been in her classes for a couple of years. She'd never heard me say more than like two words or I never talked to anyone. And then all of a sudden I was just like, whoa, huh. I wonder if like the stuff that I'm doing maybe is having an impact. <laughs> because now all of a sudden, all these things that I've never really been able to do, no one in my family is able to do. 
no one in my immediate surroundings is able to do. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, maybe some of this stuff is working a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that story. Yeah. And I like that you just mentioned, oh, no one in my family is like this because people use that as an excuse, you know, genetics right. saying, oh, well, I'm not this or I'm not that because, or I have this disease because genetically, you know, my grandma has it. That's not true. Like, yeah, that's a part of it, but we can do right. all these things like herbs and yoga and nutrition changes, and we can up-level our brain and get rid of our digestive issues. So that's so cool that you were able to really up-level yourself, even at like a later point in your life. Just a couple of things I wanted to add about the family thing, because I know for a lot of people, that's a huge stressor or a stumbling point about making changes or doing something different is like that fear of, you know, your family, like judging you, criticizing you, talking down to you, or worst case scenario, kind of isolating you or mm -hmm. kind of like black sheeping you in a way. And I think at least for me, I was somewhat fortunate, I think, because I just didn't care. I was so angry. I was so upset at that time. I remember consciously making a decision when I was like 13. And this is my literal thoughts were like, man, fuck these people. I'm going to do what I need to do. And this is me like 13 years old, like in the kitchen, making a sandwich and like <laughs> hanging out with my family. And I was thinking like, man, no, like forget this. And I mean, I don't recommend that. It's not the healthiest way of doing things. And obviously I could have done it better, but I just think for whatever that reason, I was just allowed the anger to kind of work to where I just didn't care. And I still feel that way to a large degree because like a lot of what I really think and feel and my opinions and my views and even my activities and my actions aren't particularly palatable or acceptable for a lot of people, including some of my close friends and definitely family and definitely a lot of people. So like even on the internet and YouTube, like I'm very usually selective with how I say things or what level of truth or perception I share based on wherever I am. So I guess what I'm saying is the fear within a lot of people is that deep human thing that we all have for like community and connection and obviously being cut off from that is a real tangible, visceral fear that we all have because we're social creatures. But at a certain point, I think you kind of just have to make a choice mm -hmm. to where it's like, I can use this as an example. A friend of mine, I know a few people actually who were married and then after a while, their marriage was just not good. They didn't really like each other. It was really dysfunctional. But then they had a kid. So then now they have this really bad choice of, well, they can stay together and teach their kid that marriage is being miserable and is being mean to each other, which is not great, obviously. Or they have another choice of getting separating or getting divorced and then teaching their kid a whole other thing. So it's like you're kind of already in a situation where you don't have two bad decisions, but like at least one of them has the potential upside to be better over the medium in the long term, how you handle it. And I think just for a lot of people, I think we all have a lot more freedom and empowerment and authority than maybe we give ourselves credit for. And a mm -hmm. lot of times, like we let voices in our environment kind of hold us back in a way. But ultimately, that's kind of just our choice. I know it's kind of cliche and cheesy, but on the flip side, what I did was I just surrounded myself with people that were already of a mindset in the direction I wanted to go. And those weren't people in my actual environment because those people didn't exist in small town Indiana. It was just lectures and audiobooks and, you know, different things that I could access to sort of pull me in that direction. But I mean, ultimately, everyone kind of has to make that decision for themselves. And I know it's probably not a popular opinion, but like no diet or supplement or cleanse or detox or teacher or doctor or authority or spiritual tradition or plant medicine can overcome that. 
Mm. like really terrible relationships and our inability to make choices for ourselves will negate all of these things the vast majority of the time, in my opinion. So hopefully that's somewhat useful. <laughs> uh, I think if anything, it's motivational yeah. because I went through the exact same thing. Grew up in a small town, was yeah. around really poor lifestyle choices a lot of my life, which contributed yeah. to me getting sick. And I did the same thing. I still didn't have people in my environment for a very, very, very long time who were doing the things I want to do. So that's why I got into podcasting because I would binge okay. like these health podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. And I would implement the stuff in my life. But then at certain levels of my life, I was still hanging around the people who drank alcohol and who made poor lifestyle choices. And as I did that, I would find myself slipping back into something like that. And I'm like, man, this isn't the person I want to be. This isn't helping me like get to the health spot yeah. that I want to be. And so at one point I said, okay, like this is it. I have to just slowly close these people off. Unfortunately, I love them, but I have to find people who are aligned with me hundred percent. And thankfully now, like I have that community. We eat the same. We like to do activities outdoors, yeah. like all the healthy things. And a hundred percent, like that's something that people have to kind of figure out on their own and make that decision of, okay, how good do I really want to feel? What type of person do I really want to be? Because at the end of the day, that whole cheesy saying of like, you're most like the five people surrounding you is a hundred percent true. <laughs> For sure. Do you want better sleep? I bet the answer is yes. So many people struggle with sleep and a big reason why is all of the artificial lights around us. So the sun emits a variety of colors of light, including red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Blue light specifically has a very high energy and short wavelength. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have the red and orange lights, which have a lower energy and long wavelengths. Blue light is what's emitted from artificial lights in our home and from our digital devices like our cell phones, TVs, and computer screens. Blue light has a huge impact on our health. It actually helps regulate our circadian rhythm by boosting our alertness and keeping us awake. But that means that when you're exposed to blue light after sunset, you're basically telling your body to stay awake by looking at your cell phone, watching TV, or having tons of lights on in your home. It actually suppresses the production of melatonin, which is a sleep and anti-aging hormone. So when we don't sleep well, we gain weight, we have mood issues like anxiety and depression, and lack of sleep is linked to autoimmune diseases and many other chronic illnesses. So if you want to avoid all of that and get high quality sleep, then you need to start blocking blue light after sundown. So I personally wear raw optics nighttime glasses after the sun sets so that my body knows it's time to start winding down. Now their nighttime lenses block 100% of harmful artificial blue and green light, unlike other brands that might only block a small percentage of those lights and they're just not as effective. And if you wanna take it a step further, you can grab a daytime pair as well, which is not as dark as the lenses for nighttime, but they still block about 95% of blue light, which is great to wear when you're working on a computer screen all day. And this can help reduce eye strain, increase your energy, and elevate your brain function. If you use the code NATURALHEALTHRISING, you will save 15% off of any of their glasses. So head over to rawoptics.com, which is spelled R-A-O-P-T, 
S-I-C-S.com and grab a pair now so that you can get better sleep. And don't forget to use the code natural health rising. Yeah. One thing I always thought about too, is like just reminding myself, like I'm going to die. Like yeah. I'm genuinely going to be dead eventually. And I doubt I'm going to look back and be like, man, I'm so glad I made myself miserable for 30 years just to potentially avoid hurting this person's feelings for five minutes. Mm. That's not what I'm going to be thinking. <laughs> like not even remotely. And then on the flip side, that person, when they die, isn't going to be thinking, wow, I'm so glad he didn't hurt my feelings for those five minutes. No, they're not going to care at all, which kind of leads me to the last thing to say about that is like, what I realized when I really kind of stepped back and looked at situations is like, we worry so much about other people. But the thing is, other people really don't care that much at all. I think that was just something that was really funny to me in so many ways, like how little in my experience, people generally notice anyways, like in terms of what other people are doing or how they're being, and then how little they actually care, how little they actually really think about it. And mostly what it is, is they're just looking at themselves and looking at their feelings about X, Y, and Z. It has really very little to do with you. And that's just something that if you just really start to listen to what people actually say, and then more importantly, what the meaning is behind the words that they're saying for that person, you start to realize like, oh, this has nothing to do. Like, for example, I can talk about like, I would used to say things that I would want to do or share things with people in my family. And they would always like, of course, shoot it down or, oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, that's crazy or something ridiculous. And, you know, when I was a teenager, when I was younger, it really made me mad and I just stopped doing it. But then as an adult, I could go back and look and realize like, oh, number one, they're not even hearing or listening really to what I'm saying anyways. They just are operating from their limited experience. And I'm saying something that's outside of it and that makes them uncomfortable. So of course they shoot that down. It has really nothing to do with <laughs> anything I'm saying or doing. So then I was just like, so then there's literally nothing to worry about in this scenario. And then another example I can give is, you know, I've been doing YouTube since 2009, give or take varying degrees of activity. But what I realized is I used to really care about comments and really value other people's opinions and whatever, right? And what I realized is I would look through all the negative comments and have quite a lot of them over the years because it's <laughs> at certain phases of my life, I was purposefully inflammatory because I was just kind of angry. And I just really wanted to say things to kind of like jar people to kind of possibly look at things differently, right? Yeah. But what I realized is basically in 12 years of YouTube, the vast majority of every negative comment that I've gotten hasn't had very much of anything to do with what I was actually saying. It's more so the person just either, again, kind of like the example I just gave, emotionally reacting to their interpretation of what I'm saying. Because I would engage with people who be like, oh, well, what do you mean? Why do you say this? Why are you as upsetting? And I'm like, oh, what you're upset about, I didn't even say. I, I didn't use those words. I didn't infer that meaning. Like I was pretty clear. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I did the same thing with all the positive comments, which a lot of people won't do because they're like, oh, well, this makes me feel good and validated. So I'm not mm. going to question this. Whereas I guess my mindset is like, I'm kind of a critical person. So I question positive and negative side of it equally, just because that's how my brain works. And I realized the same thing. The vast majority of positive comments had little to nothing to do with what I was actually saying or what I was actually trying to communicate. It was just basically like, I say something 
Yeah, they like it because it affirms something they already believe or affirms a value of themselves that they already have. Mm-hmm. They don't like it for the opposite reason. It's something they don't like or something they don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with the idea or the concept that I was presenting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then I was just like, why do I care about comments? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, if someone, the rare occasion where someone was like, you said X, Y, and Z, and your logic was wrong here, or this was a wrong association, I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. Or, you know, something that's actually nuanced and thoughtful, but it's also like, you know, coming from someone who watched 90 seconds of a 10 minute video and then wrote me a three paragraph roast, <laughs> I'm not going to take that seriously, but it's, it's the same example in real life. Like you might say something for two minutes, someone's responding to something you said on second three or five, and they didn't hear the other like minute and 45 seconds. So it's like, what position are you in? to really I just say all this because I know emotionally this relationship stuff clogs a lot of people up and you know it was a really a, a problem for me a lot of my life and I just mm-hmm. think you know I see what's on Instagram and YouTube and social media and Elephant Journal and Green Life and like all these outlets and I think honestly what the real solution is just for people to engage their listening faculties and their observation skills and the little bit of critical thinking and just actually observe these situations for themselves. And to me, that's far more useful than like repeating an affirmation or all these other things that people are trying to do to like medicate an absence of something. When I'm saying maybe just try to develop that thing that is absent, which is those faculties that I was just mentioning. But again, that's just my experience and what was helpful for me. <laughs> hmm Yeah, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes. And so I'll just say one tiny little final comment and then I'm going to move on to the next question Um, so we can get into the meat of everything. But yeah, yeah, same thing. Like I have a TikTok that's pretty big and I post hundreds of videos on there. And man, those comments used to destroy me. (laughs) They sounded so mean. And then one day I realized I was like, oh, this person has an issue with themselves. Like there's something that they're perceiving, whatever. And yeah, I got to that point where I was like, okay, I I actually don't care about any of the comments. It's all neutral. But yeah, you have to make that mental perceptive shift. Okay, tonic herbs. What are those? For someone who's like, what tonic herb? What does that mean? (laughs) So basically you can think of it as something that you can take when you're already pretty healthy to help balance you out and or make you healthier. You kind of look at it like exercise or going to the gym. Obviously, if you're on death's door, you know, exercise isn't really going to be that great for you. But if you're already, you know, decently healthy, whatever, then exercise is kind of something you really need to be doing, not just once. Like, oh, I, I exercised once last year, so I'm good. It's like, no, it's kind of regular, you know? And I just say that because like, oh, back in the day, I'd have people that would, you know, buy a product from me and be like, oh, I took your product, but I'm not noticing anything. I was like, well, okay, well, tell me more. What did you do? Oh, well, I took a quarter teaspoon a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, all right, anything else? Oh, no, I didn't feel anything. So I'm like, uh, okay. But on the flip side, I have a lot of clients that are maniacs that are just like, can I take three tablespoons a day? I'm like, uh, calm down, guys. Like, just do a quarter teaspoon, you'll be fine. So, yeah, that's kind of the general idea of tonic herbs. And certain ones will work on different things. Most of the ones I sell now are medicinal mushrooms like reishi, cordyceps, chaga, lion's mane. They're very trendy now. You can get them, you know, most health food stores, Whole Foods, whatever. But the quality is in general pretty low mm-hmm. across the industry because it's one of those things you kind of have to be a bit of a weirdo to really, because there's just so many nuances and so many little turns and wrong turns people can go on. And also just clever marketing and the way that the industry works. It's like, I understand from a consumer perspective how overwhelming and annoying it can be. 
because I'm on the inside and it can be overwhelming and annoying. <laughs> like, so I totally get it. And I've been doing it, you know, nearly 20 years and it can still be annoying. So I, I can understand it. So just in a general idea that I would say tonic herbs, something you can take when you're already fairly healthy to kind of balance out as contrasted with, oh, I'm really sick or, oh, I have a flu or a cold. Let me take an herb. That's kind of like more of like a drug sort of A does B equals C kind of mindset. Whereas tonic herbs can kind of cover a lot of bases. And if you're already really sick or you have a flu, you, tonic herbs wouldn't really be what you want to go to. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of a different mindset, I think. So, yeah. Cool. We'll get into mushrooms in a minute because I know a lot about mushrooms too. And I'm always nice. like, oh man, you're using the wrong ones. They're tricky out there. But I would love to know about some other things other than mushrooms first. So maybe, sure. maybe you can give like the top two or three tonic herbs, or we could classify it by symptoms like fatigue or like, right. is there something that's like really common with people that they use these frequently? Yeah. For example, I had a quiz on my website. It's still on there now, but I don't think it's totally functional. This is like, which tonic herb is right for you? I mean, I had thousands and thousands of people taking it. Basically, everyone is stressed and tired. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so in that case, something like gynostema, which is, okay. it's just an herb that most people have never heard of. And it's not a mushroom. And I think more people should know about it. And I think it's honestly one of the best things to start with because it tastes pretty good. It's super easy to use and it covers like so many bases. Like it does so many things in the body and so many people can take it. It has powerful effects, but it's very gentle, which is kind of a rare combination because usually something has powerful effects. The amount of people that can safely use it tends to kind of shrink. Whereas gynostema mm -hmm. does a lot of things, balances a lot of functions in the body, but is easy to use. It's gentle. It tastes good. And it's relatively inexpensive. So it's like kind of checks all the boxes for being, I think one of the best tonic herbs. And another one I would say would be holy basil. That one's really easy because people can go to whole foods and get like the Tulsi tea from organic India or yeah. the new chapter, holy basil, super critical is also pretty potent. And those are all like, it's cheap, it's easy, and you, people can actually do it, you know, rather than like, here's an exotic herb you've never heard of, and here's a complicated sales process, and here's a lengthy learning journey. Okay, fine, but like, you can go to Whole Foods, you can buy that, and it's like really easy to just start. So those are probably like, probably the top two, I would say, mm -hmm. that are not mushrooms that work for a lot of people. Cool. Yeah, I love holy basil. And so holy basil and gynostema are more would you say like anxiety, energy, stress type? Yeah, I mean, support. Is, I would say like one of the only true adaptogenic herbs. You can take gynostema in the morning and it will kind of lift you up. You can take it at night and it will calm you down. A lot of people like use the word adaptogen because it's kind of trendy now. I use it in my marketing because people are a little more familiar with it. Most herbs that people call adaptogens actually aren't, I don't think, in my opinion. It's just semantics at a certain point. It's kind of like how we call all tissues Kleenex when Kleenex is actually like a brand or we call like soda Coke, but like Coke's a brand. So yeah, gynostem I think is one of the only true adaptogens. So like I said, you can take it anytime. It will just help balance you out. So like if you're stressed, you're tired, it can kind of just put you into more of a centered place. Holy basil is similar as well, but tends to be more calming and sedative for people. And also too, just as a caveat, what, in my opinion, the best way to have more energy is to be more calm. So that's kind of why like people are like, what can I take for energy? I'm just like, I mean, cause, cause then it's usually, it's like, what do you mean by more energy? 
do you mean like feeling frantic and like having tight shoulders and a tight jaw and like being scattered? Is that that mm -hmm. energy? Mm. And then, cause I have, sometimes people will take like reishi or take gynostema and they'll be like, I can't do this. It makes me sleepy and like sedated. I'm like, no, you're just not stressed. But I mean, I, like I've been there. Like if you function like at this stress level, dropping to this level of stress feels like a huge jump and you feel like, oh my God, I'm just going to be less productive. I'm sedated, but it's like, no, you're still far from actually being balanced. That's another way of kind of looking at tonic herbs, especially gynostoma. They can kind of help inch your way back to like actually some kind of balance and homeostasis. So yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about that. I mean, it's just, we are addicted to stress hormones. So we operate with this high cortisol level and we're all stressed out and it feels good in the beginning. And then, you know, you're slamming your cups of coffee and feeling more energized. You're spiking your cortisol more, but over time, that's going to deplete your adrenal glands and that's going to cause you to want more coffee and more coffee and more, right. So yeah, I like how you said the best way to have more energy is to calm down and to relax yeah. that and lower your cortisol levels. Yeah. I mean, I think the dynamic you described is a large cultural dynamic that we're seeing right now. And I think, you know, people like yourself who are in this field and working with people are going to have no shortage of clients over the next 10 years, uh, mm -hmm. because at least over, over the last few years with the unnamed event that occurred, I saw it just decimate people. And even getting back out and traveling, I could just see like people, their the soul is gone from a lot of people's eyes and a lot of people are just eat down because the mechanism you described, it's like that threshold just constantly gets higher, but also not just with consuming things, but with everything, just, you know, the dialogue, it's more extreme. Movies are more extreme. Music is more extreme. Food is more like every, the, the stimulation threshold is always just getting higher and higher and higher, which is not sustainable and it's not healthy, but that's what people are used to. So it kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier about being willing to walk away from things for people that really actually want to be healthy and retain some shred of humanity over the next decade, like it's going to require some of those things because the way the direction the world is going is pretty clear in terms of just how social media and all these things, just the threshold is just going up and attention spans are going down. Mm -hmm. And then relationships are negatively affected. People's healths are negatively, all these markers of like humanity are just going down. So that's kind of why I like my solution for most things is like, dude, just, <laughs> just take a beat, <laughs> just mm -hmm. pause, <laughs> like relax and stress. So gynostem and holy basil for those reasons are going to be <laughs> even more useful as, as things progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always trying to figure out nowadays, how do I make my videos shorter and shorter? <laughs> So that yeah. the people watch them. It's not a good thing. No, um, so let's dive into mushrooms now. Cause I know sure, you have yeah. a lot to say about that. So right, yeah. you already kind of gave us a little nugget that there's some hidden things in the industry, some things to look out right. for. Tell us about that. Right. So I guess two points with mushrooms specifically, most of what is available is extremely cheap to produce. And when people buy the product, it tastes pretty good. It tastes pretty neutral. So people are like, oh, cool. And they're seeing the branding and the marketing and the trend of mushrooms. And they're like, oh, cool. This must be a great product. But what they don't realize is 50% of what they're consuming is just brown rice or oats, which is why it tastes good and why it's so cheap and easy to produce. And I'm referring to like mycelium based products. And why I say that is because the mycelium can only consume like 50% of the growth medium. And then it's kind of full. So it stops. So then they take this big mass, grind it up. So then you're getting half brown rice half mycelium. So it's like, you're getting a fairly weak product mixed with a filler 
and then it's not extracted. So it's just kind of like, it's not the worst thing to, people could be doing, obviously, but it's fairly, I find it to be disingenuine and misleading mm-hmm. personally. But I mean, that's just, it's the way things go. It's a trend. People are jumping on, making money, whatever. Whereas, for example, a couple of the products I sell, like Cordyceps and part of the Lion's Mane, does contain mycelium. However, what I do is we grow it via liquid fermentation so that it has no growth medium in it. Basically, it grows to maturity and then all the liquid's able to be drained out. Then you have a pure mycelium product that then we then take and concentrate and extract down. So it's again, another one of these things where a lot of people are like, oh, mycelium is bad. And I'm like, well, yeah. it kind of depends because there's some caveats and nuance there. Because like I said, I've been in this for since like 2003 or four, I guess. And I worked in health food stores. You know, I saw it from that angle. I saw what was there. I saw kind of the lineage of like the health food industry. And then I watched things and then I got into it as a consumer. And then I got into it from a business angle. So I've seen things kind of change and develop. And, you know, this is just kind of one of the recent trends. And then the other thing is just the industry in general, which we don't have really have to go too far into. It's just, you know, it's ultimately at this point the supplement industry is just like the food industry where it's controlled by three or four companies if even that many at this point because i don't know if you've ever seen that chart where there's like it's the same like nine or eleven companies that control like the vast majority of the food industry yeah. and even in even in america it's something like a small like a few media companies control like 90 percent of the media that we see mm-hmm. like it's the supplement industry is no different because there's so much money to be made I learned this pretty obviously when I was thinking about getting into CBD back in like 2016, 17, when it was all pretty new. And I'm talking to these sales reps from all these companies. I'm like, this is the broiest of bros. And I'm like, I think two weeks ago, this guy was selling cars, cigarettes, (laughs) or beer. And now he's talking about CBD and he's all into like holistic health and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Dude, I know you just got your flyer and you're giving me all the buzzwords, but like I see right through this entire operation. Mm -hmm. It's like venture capital money, suppliers, media conglomerates, sales force, boom. And then that trickles down to where now like smaller companies are just repeating the same stuff that the huge companies are putting out. And it kind of just creates this weird, it, it just basically ends up being the exact thing that it's supposed to be an alternative to. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is what I've seen so many times. And I, I'm not going to name any names, but some of the biggest names in the alternative health field, some of which have documentaries about them, end up doing the exact thing that they started out being against, which I mean, to me, is just hilarious. But it's like, I have kind of a dark sense of humor in that way. So it's just kind of a side tangent from someone you know, who's been in the business. The other thing too is like, everything I sell is something that I, even if I didn't sell it, I would take it. This is what I want to take as someone who's been obsessed with herbs for like 15 years. This is the product that I want for myself. And that's the only reason I sell anything. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I've never been a salesy person. Like when I first started, that was always just my pitch of just like, here's my story. Here's this product. I take it every day for myself. You can buy it or not. That's fine. I'm going to keep taking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See it. Like that was just kind of my pitch. So then, yeah, basically for the mushrooms, if you want to go in that direction, we can get into those basically. So yeah, we already talked about avoiding mycelium and fillers and and most products that are kind of in the question. Sure. Yeah. So that's normally what I'll tell people. My client asked me, Hey, is this mushroom product good? I'm like, ah, now there's mycelium in it. It says it's grown on rice and oats or whatever. Like let's go with a fruiting body product. Yours though. You said it's liquid fermentation. Is that going to be on the bottle? Like if someone's looking, does it say, 
does it like explain that like made via liquid fermentation and that's something people can look for yeah basically on my website but because i sell four mushrooms the reishi is fruiting body the chaga is kind of a fruiting body but chaga is a weird kind of species but it's wild crafted in siberia because chaga fruiting bodies can't be cultivated mm -hmm. Basically, it's just the best form of whatever that mushroom is. That's what I'm doing because that's what I want to take. The cordyceps is a mycelium because actual cordyceps is a fungus that grows on insects. So it's like the fungus kind of, but it's also something different, mm -hmm. which again is a different kind of nuanced conversation. That's why that's mycelium via liquid fermentation, but that's on the website. And then lion's mane as another form of nuance. Most of what is on the market is sure mycelium. And then there is some fruiting body. But here's a caveat I'll, I'll say is that basically most of the lion's mane, pretty much all the lion's mane in the market won't have the actual benefits that people are wanting to get from it. Meaning all mushrooms do stuff for the immune system. That's cool. But mm -hmm. lion's mane has this whole nervous system, cognitive nerve growth factor, brain nerve growth factor thing going on. But the thing is that's not found in the beta-glucans or the polysaccharides like those properties don't come from those constituents but you have tons of people selling a lion's mane product and be like oh we've got 30 percent beta-glucans we're amazing and i'm like well that's cool for people's immune system because that's what beta-glucans do mm -hmm. but most of the mushrooms have hundreds of active constituents like reishi for example so i'm like i thought we were against like mechanistic isolated chemical thinking because that's a pharmaceutical but then all these like natural health companies are doing kind of the same thing, which I get to a degree, but I also don't fully buy in. So like the lion's mane that I sell, it's 50% mycelium and 50% fruiting body. The reason for that is because the mycelium has arenosines and the fruiting body has heresthenones. It could be the other way around that I always get them mixed up. But basically those are the two chemicals that have the actual nerve growth factor and brain nerve growth factor. So if you want the full thing, you got to use both. So that's why I use both. And then both are hyper-concentrated down to have like 2% of each of those things per batch, which ends up being a lot, a high doses of each per like teaspoon. And I have all that on my website in the third party, like lab result where it's actually sent off and then have it mapped out for like per teaspoon. This is how many of each thing is in there. So basically it's just kind of like, that's what I would want to take personally. So that's the kind of product that I created and that I sell. And that's kind of why my thinking on things isn't so one size fits all or generalized. Because a lot of mushroom companies, again, it's mycelium is bad. Fruiting body is good. Dual extract is best. Hot water extract is not as good. Or beta-glucans are the only thing. It's like, well, I mean, sure, I, there's some truth to that. I see how and why people arrive at those conclusions. But personally, there's a little more to the scenario than just living by those kind of like easy axioms or whatever. That's just not really how I think. So that's kind of why, but yeah, all that's on the website. Cool. Uh, yeah. The average woman puts almost 200 different chemicals on her skin daily. Our skin is our largest organ and it is very absorbent. So just about everything you put on your skin winds up in your bloodstream and your body has to deal with processing that. Now, unfortunately, the cosmetic industry and other industries for self-care products put some pretty nasty chemicals in their products that lead to hormone imbalance, a wide variety of other side effects, and eventually disease. So for a lot of my products, I like to use Beauty Counter because they have a list of over 1,800 chemicals that they will never use. And a lot of other big beauty companies are putting these 
in their products. So swapping out toxic beauty products like my makeup, shampoo and conditioner, and lotions for cleaner versions was a really big piece while I was healing from my autoimmune disease. I also like Beauty Counter a lot because their products are high quality. I've tried other makeup brands and self-care products that are all natural, and I do like some of them, but they just don't stay on my skin or look as good as Beauty Counter products do. So head over to beautycounter.com forward slash Rachel Smith. So that's Beauty Counter, B-E-A-U-T-Y-C-O-U-N-T-E-R.com forward slash Rachel Smith, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-M-I-T-H to shop with me as your consultant. So feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about their products and you can start swapping your potentially more toxic products for cleaner ones that are an amazing quality and your body is going to thank you for this. No, those are super good points. And I'm glad you shared all that because it's hard. Like you have to be super savvy nowadays to be able to not just take a supplement, but make a good purchase at the grocery store or buy the safest cleaning products. Like everyone greenwashes, everyone puts, oh, this is a keto product for food. And then you read the back of the label and there's 50 ingredients in it with coloring and all these other things. And it's like, okay, I thought this was healthy. Same thing with supplements. So thank you for shedding some light on that. And hopefully it cleared some things up for people, (laughs) but yeah, you have to be super savvy nowadays. Yeah. I mean, on my website and in my videos, because I have hundreds of videos about these things on my YouTube channel, and then lots of blogs on the website and just the information on the product page, I try to present it in the cleanest or the clearest, simplest way possible, because like not everyone has hours a day to sit around and read and research this stuff. I mean, some of my clients do, but like, I just try to make it super easy and clear for people to be like, look, here's what it is. Here's why it is this way. Here's why it's good. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, what I realized is it's so easy to get oh, completely overwhelmed by like what you're just saying in this whole industry. Like we're busy. We have things to do. People have lives. And it's like, do I really want to spend six hours online <laughs> researching the micro nuance of like <laughs> red ratio versus black and the chemical differences? <laughs> just like, no. So yeah. That's seriously what it takes nowadays is like six hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate. So, I mean, I try to be a little bit of a gatekeeper in that way of like, okay, I've read all the stuff. I've filtered everything. You have a question. Okay. Because there's people that did that for me who are like, have encyclopedias of information. And I can just go to them and say, hey, what about this? And like, well, okay, here. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, are there specific mushrooms that you feel like everybody should be taking or most people? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was some caveats. I think gynostemma for sure. I mean, it's, I know it's not a mushroom. I'm not really mm-hmm. answering your question, but gynostemma across the board for sure. I think chaga works for a lot of people. Lion's mane also works for a lot of people. Reishi works for a lot of people as well, but some people it doesn't work for them mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Cordyceps, the same. Some people like really love it. Some people just doesn't jive with them. To simplify that and to break that down, here's how I've explained the mushrooms. Because it's always like, well, wait, there's all these mushrooms. Like, what's the difference? Which one should I take? So it's like, well, here's the easiest, quickest, and simplest way to understand that. Baseline, all these mushrooms have immune supporting, immune modulating properties, meaning they don't stimulate your immune system. They don't depress your immune system. They help regulate it. So if you have allergies, can bring it down. You have depressed functions, can bring it up. 
they all kind of have that in common. Cool. So then reishi will have that plus calming you down and having anti-stress properties. Cordyceps will have the immune system plus energy, sort of like energizing pre-workout kind of vibes. Not like caffeine or jittery kind of thing, but definitely more energizing of all of the mushrooms. And it has a long history of athletic enhancement, and all those mm-hmm. different things. And then chaga, to me, that's kind of like double immune system. It has the immune things, but then it has more than all the other ones. And it's a really potent antioxidant just from, you can see the pigmentation of it. And then lion's mane has some of the immune system support, but mostly it's the neurological cognitive benefits that it has that almost nothing else has. Like there's not many things that can stimulate nerve growth factor and brain nerve growth, nerve growth factor. A couple mm-hmm. of other herbs, but lion's mane is the most well-tolerated because like go-to cola as another herb can generate those things, but it can also like really wreck your digestion because of the kind of herb that it is. But lion's mane is like really, really well-tolerated, really gentle. So that's kind of how I would explain it in terms of here's kind of what they all do. And then here's their individual personality. So then depending on which of those personalities you feel like you mesh with or you need, you just pick that. And you can mix and match. Like if you want to chill out and support cognition, you can mix those together. If you want to support your immune system and have more energy, you can put those together or mix and match. Like it's pretty easy. So I feel like lion's mane across the board would probably be the most well-tolerated alongside chaga. But again, it just kind of depends on someone's goals or what they're looking for. Yeah. I feel like everybody wants more cognitive support. I mean, yeah, that's a good one for people. <laughs> well, the lion's mane is quite good for that. It's something I have taken a lot of uh, over the last few years. And especially a lot of my clients have really enjoyed that one as well. Do you know if eating, because I used to eat a lot of lion's mane mushrooms, like the fresh ones. I haven't sure. done it in a while, but is it not as potent as taking tinctures, would you say? I mean, yeah, definitely not because you're talking about such a smaller amount mm-hmm. versus, you know, I mean, I don't even know what the dry weight percentage of arenosine and heracinone in a mushroom is, but I'm sure it's fractional, which is why, you know, everything I sell is like concentrated extracts. But I mean, it's still great. I had lion's mane yesterday. Like this Mm -hmm. is delicious. I had shiitake this morning. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a great thing to have in your diet if you can do it. Yeah. I think lion's mane tastes awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Sauteed in a pan (laughs) with some butter. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're kind of running out of time here. I wanted to get into some other stuff, but maybe we'll do a second episode sometime. But I do want to ask you if you could leave the listeners with one tip that they can implement. Maybe it's today, maybe it's this week for them to just live a healthier, happier life. What would you say? I think be more honest. (laughs) <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> I like me, it. I, I think that's one of the most powerful things. And I think for a lot of mental, emotional issues, it comes down to lying to yourself about things. And I've t- I made videos about that and really gone it, on it at length, but I think it's a process and it's a journey, of course, but it's a skill and it's like any tool, you know, if you don't use it, it goes dull, but if you use it, you sharpen it, you build it over time. And people might be like, oh, well, that's abstract. Well, it's like, if you're, if you're more honest with yourself, then that allows you to see things a little bit more clearly, right? So then let's say that allows you to avoid situations before you get into them or avoid negative outcomes before they happen. Sounds pretty helpful to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, I know I'm like the tonic herb guy and Hyperion herbs and I should be like, oh, take reishi, buy my products. But ultimately <laughs> I think that is one of the most powerful things that anyone can do. And I know it's not easy. 
it gets easier, but it's definitely extremely valuable because our world is the opposite of that. Like we were saying with the supplement industry, the health industry, so much of our world is just run on dishonesty mm -hmm. and sleight of hand and manipulation that being able to <laughs> be honest with yourself first and foremost is really important. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We will have links to your YouTube so people can go. I know you said you have hundreds of videos, so they can go check all that out on there. We've got the Instagram for Hyperion Herbs and the website and everything in the show notes. And is there any last thing you want to say before we go? No. Yeah. Just thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. I think I was a little bit loquacious and went on some tangents. <laughs> An hour went by really quickly and, you know, hopefully people are able to take some value out of this and more importantly, implement something and make some change in their life, which is the most important thing because information is just information until we can actually do something. And hopefully people realize and remember, at least even to just a small degree, realize that they have more authority and more power and more influence over their life and the people in it than they might realize. So mm -hmm. love that. All right. Thank you so much, Brandon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if so, please make sure you leave a comment and rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Please remember that this podcast is not meant to treat, cure, or prevent any illness. Always talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any nutrition, lifestyle, or supplement changes you hear about on this podcast. Now, before I go, I want to talk more about how I may be able to help you. If you are someone who is sick of running from doctor to doctor, not getting any answers, but you still know something is wrong, functional medicine is the way for you to go. I have worked with so many people who have been dismissed by doctors, who have experienced things like anxiety, hair loss, PMS, brain fog, eczema, bloating, and other GI issues, and more. But when I run functional medicine labs on these people, we actually find the root causes of what's going on. And this might be things like hidden gut infections, toxic heavy metals, mold, leaky gut, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then with this information, we're able to make nutrition, lifestyle changes, and custom supplementation and herbal protocols, which actually helps these people get rid of their symptoms. I've seen clients reverse rheumatoid arthritis, alopecia areata, IBS, and other complex health issues. And I've also seen clients who thought they were generally healthy level up into an optimized and energetic version of themselves that they didn't even know they could access. So wherever you're at with your health, you can book a free health consultation with me by going to the link in the show notes or by heading over to naturalhealthrising.com and book a call there right now so that you can start feeling like yourself again, happy and energized. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Keep tuning in every week to gain more knowledge on how to live your healthiest, happiest life. And make sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for additional health information.